1: Well, there was a lot of news uh, around the National Football League, and you can start right here in Tampa Bay, where COVID has uh, certainly taken a bite out of the Buccaneers. Bruce Arians, their head coach now, uh, is suffering from this. I, I did manage to exchange some text messages with Bruce. He says he, you know, he has a just a bit of that nagging cough, and we noticed it. I noticed it on Monday during uh, you know the Zoom call that we had. When I asked about it, I was told there was a lot of colds going around and things like that. It turns out uh, that he did test positive. He is quarantining at home. He is isolating. Uh, Of course, you know, 69-year-old, immune-compromised, three-time cancer survivor, all of that. Um, But he seems to be doing very, very well. And with the new protocols, I don't think it's completely, if I do the math right, it's now five days. Uh, If you don't have any symptoms, if you're asymptomatic, you can potentially return or, or two uh, negative tests with 24 hours in between. So not completely out of the question that he couldn't coach on Sunday, but if he can't and even during the week, Harold Goodwin, uh, who is the assistant head football coach, does the run game coordination. He will take over Bruce Arian's duties during the week. And I'll say this about Bruce. He has his staff, which is why he's back to coaching in the NFL and not to minimize what he does because he absolutely sets the tone uh, for the entire franchise, uh, week in, week out, tells the players what, what is important and, and uh, I'm sure is involved at some level at game planning. Uh, so he will be missed. But that staff uh, has been together now, some of them, for 30 years. And when you have offensive coordinator like you know Byron LeFwich when you have Todd Bowles and all the guys, Clyde Christensen, and, and, and people that have been with him sometimes for up to 30 years, going back to the Temple days, it's a heck of a lot easier uh, for business as usual during the weekend. Also, that quarterback, Tom Brady, is not going to let them uh, slump off at all. But it didn't stop with Bruce Arians. They also have two corners. Here we go again with the secondary, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamal Dean, also in COVID protocol. Again, uh, the new adaptation of the CDC rules, five days. They have an opportunity to come back, but we don't know what their availability will be at this point. I would think you'd consider them uh, maybe to be out. They do get Rashard Perriman back from COVID, Last week, he missed two games. Of course, he was the hero of that Buffalo Bills overtime win a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So you know this is kind of going to be the story as as we head really not just into Sunday, but then you think about the impact uh, in the playoffs. Carson Wentz, Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts, who is not vaccinated, uh, testing positive for COVID. They need to win some games to assure their playoff status. They have an opportunity to win that division. they have to go with Sam Ellinger. so this is a huge story in Indianapolis, and one that is not surprising because uh, there were a couple quarterbacks who opted not to be vaccinated, and uh, you know certainly the the, the time. Uh, and again, I I think the fact that they're switching to five days may help him, um, but uh, unvaccinated players had to have a mandatory ten day uh, period that you were off, and so the potential was for him to miss a couple games, and we don't know the severity of his illness, but. Um, certainly, you take a quarterback like Carson Wentz out of the indianapolis colts, and that 's that 's going to take a bite out of them so this will be a story on all the way through the playoffs and and you know I think whether it 's college football pro football society in general we 're just going to have to do the best we can and, and and see how they navigate this but um you know with the bucks uh we know Mike Evans had already been on the covid list of course he 's dealing with the hamstring injury um, you know they, they've they 've had these uh these hiccups along the way and uh you know it's i think the team that manages this the best sort of like last year maybe even more so because this this particular variant is so contagious that everybody seems to be getting it i know a ton of people that have it myself um it's just going to be something that we're they're going to have to navigate and, and hope that it doesn't infect uh you know key elements of your team and 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 certainly, you know, Tom Brady, I'd keep him in a jar somewhere if uh, if I were the Buccaneers because you don't want to lose him. These last two games matter. They're still fighting for playoff position. They still have a chance at a higher seed. They're currently number four. Uh, a fairly reasonable chance of moving into three, maybe even two if the Rams were to lose. The Rams play at Baltimore this Sunday. Looks like Lamar Jackson will be back. So uh, the Bucs have plenty of incentive to continue winning uh, until we get to that final week and we kind of figure out what, what their, uh, their seeding status is. So Lots going on uh, with the Buccaneers. A lot was well, going on in the arena. Don't forget yeah, uh,
0: Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles oh, yeah. are been asked permission to talk to several teams around the NFL.
1: They have, and and I think that uh, it was expected. You know, there is a period that started uh, yesterday, uh, as we do this podcast, it actually started on uh, Tuesday, where teams can virtually interview teams that have head coaching openings. Uh, you would consider the Raiders one of those teams, although they say they're going to wait until the end of the season. They're still in the playoff race. Rich Basacci is coaching them. Um, But the Jacksonville Jaguars are not waiting. They have asked to interview a lot of coaches, potential head coaches throughout the league that are current assistants. They can do that virtually. Both Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles are on that list. And, um, you know, it, it seems almost too obvious, right? With Byron Leftwich, a former first round pick, seventh overall pick of the Jaguars, played there for four or five seasons as a quarterback. You've got a young quarterback and trevor lawrence Uh, byron has benefited greatly from being around tom brady these past two seasons Uh, the amount of football he's probably learned from him alone uh, would make him a a great head coaching candidate and he was on his way to doing that uh, before brady arrived so uh, and, and todd bowles you know i mean for years and years one of the best defensive coordinators in football was a head coach with the new york jets only had one winning season there he certainly deserves another chance I've talked to both those guys. They're, they're both completely happy uh, in Tampa Bay in their current roles. I think that's particularly true of, of, uh, of Todd Bowles, who you know, uh, is at peace with the fact that he got to be a head coach. He'd love to be one again. Um, you know he's had some opportunities last year he interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job. Uh, I don't know uh, who's a stronger candidate, quite frankly. Byron Lefwich is coming from a different place than most head coaches just because he's a former NFL quarterback. He's made tons of money. Uh, He doesn't have an agenda. He had to be talked into coaching in the first place. He spent about five years just playing golf and enjoying his life, and Bruce Arians brought him in as a quarterback's coach in Arizona. He eventually became an offensive coordinator uh, there for one year without Bruce Arians uh, when Bruce retired, and now he's back. Of course, doing that with the Bucks these last three seasons has done an unbelievable job. I think he would make a great head coach because I think he has the communication skills and the demeanor uh, to handle. You know That job is, is not about X's and O's all the time. It's really about setting a tone. It's about who you can hire um, on your staff. I, I think that uh, Byron knows a lot of people in football, would be great at it. He'd certainly be great for that young quarterback uh, in Jacksonville if that's what uh, they decide to do just because – of uh the fact that he there are very few if none right head coaches in the national football league who have stood you know behind center i mean frank reich did it in, in indianapolis but there's not many guys who have seen the game um you know behind the center that can help the quarterback in the nfl the way somebody who's actually done it like byron left which so uh we'll see where that where that goes if any place i know they're focused on um, winning against the jets they've got two games they can improve their their position as i mentioned earlier so um, these are important games, even though uh, the matchup would seem to favor the Bucks. When you start losing more guys from the secondary again, uh, we don't know the status of Anton Winfield Jr., who was coming off that uh, foot injury. So uh, we'll have more updates uh, on that you know, throughout the week. So that's big. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this later. John Madden has died, the legendary broadcaster and, and uh, Hall of Fame football coach at 85. The impact he's had, all the tributes are out there. Um, you know, that's something we can certainly talk about, uh, you know, in, in, in tomorrow's show. But 30 years as an analyst, he called 11 Super Bowls. He's also the only broadcaster to work for all four networks, which is amazing to me. And, of course, the matteo video game released in 1988 just, uh, you know, has touched generations of football fans and, and educated them if you've played that game and who hasn't. Um, so John Madden uh, gone at 85 years old. That happened yesterday. All the tributes are everywhere. Uh, I did want to talk about real briefly, uh, Steve, the, you you were at Anley Arena. Uh, welcome back, Braden Point. You had two goals and an assist in your first game. This
0: is like Nikita Kutrov coming back in the playoffs uh, last season where the first game, just wow. I mean, Braden Point's speed seemed like it just carried the team. It, yeah. just, it was like the team was just following him because he was flying around the ice and watching him handle the puck. You realize what this team has been missing when mm. you see him out there with, you know, missing point and missing Kucherov. And meanwhile, while they while Point was out of the lineup, the team went eleven two and one. <laughs> it's incredible. But Braden Point with several players out like Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev and you don't have Andre Vasileski or Brian Elliott, you had Max Lagasse in, in net. You needed a Braden Point to help get that game started because the rest of the team seemed like it was a little slow early. And and Derek Lalonde, who was filling in for John Cooper, talked about, you know, point just kind of carries you into that fight. And, and, you know, he just drags you there as a team. And he was – I mean, he could have had four or five or six goals in that game. I mean, he scored two, but he had a lot of great chances. Um, And just incredible to watch him play. It's like he hasn't missed a beat. You know, Derek Lalonde talked about, you know, he had hockey taken away from him for a while, and he's still got that youthful kid feeling like, I just want to go play hockey. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that, that's the, kind of his personality anyway. And, boy, yeah. did he ever play hockey on Tuesday night. That was fun to watch. And Corey Perry of, gets another sixth attacker goal against his former team, Montreal. It's two this year he's had, uh, both leading to wins for the Lightning.
1: It's amazing. Uh, Legacy. they didn't play much defense around him. Uh, I think uh, you know they, they probably could have played a little better. But, uh, heck, when you can win a game with your third goaltender, uh, you'll take it. Twelfth overtime game this year steve it's unbelievable yeah.
0: and and one other quick note and this was a stanley cup rematch but the canadians are a pretty bad team this year for lots yeah. of reasons they've had some injuries shea weber's gone Carey price isn't playing right now uh, a lot of reasons but now after that game the lightning have played 31 games the canadians have played 32 games if you do a, like a head-to-head standings the lightning are 15 games ahead of the canadians
1: Goodness gracious.
0: They're fi- the Lightning are 15 games over 500. The Canadians are 15 games under 500. And that's a Stanley mm. Cup rematch, 30 games in the season.
1: Like What they've done with the injuries they've had to have the best, you know, the most points in the NHL, it's, it's unbelievable. And you can just, now that they have Brayden Point back, Nikita Kucherov will be coming back sometime later this month. I got to believe the rest of the NHL is going, goodness gracious, how are we ever going to get past the Lightning um, as they get those guys healthy? So, yeah, pretty big win for them and, uh, and a fun game, uh, from what I understand, to, uh, to witness uh, as well, uh, despite all the injuries and all the COVID situations.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: All right, best time of the week, best time of the year right now with the college uh, football national championships uh, coming up here shortly. The semifinals will break all of that down. Matt Baker joins us now from Texas where he's actually trying Trying to get a little family time before uh, the Cotton Bowl pops up here on New Year's Eve. Matt, how's it going down there?
2: It's going well. Uh, like you said, trying to get some family time in in between a little bit of work. Um, had yesterday, or as we record this yesterday, so Tuesday off. So what did I do? I took my uh, kid to a random college football bowl game. We went to see <laughs> the first responder bowl. Why are we laughing? Um, between Air Force and Louisville, uh, Air Force threw the ball pretty well for a triple option team. Louisville's quarterback Lee Cunningham find a watch and uh you know pretty cheap uh, day of entertainment at uh, SMU stadium.
1: I have to admit I didn't follow who won the uh, the tilt there. I'm got to believe Louisville may have prevailed.
2: Air Force 3128. Louisville had a really? chance to Really? Wow. Yeah, Air Force threw the ball extremely well. They they kept getting guys open cuz I think Louisville wasn't as prepared for it and uh, mm. Louisville Louisville could not get a stop in the the end the last uh, second in the second half really to save their save their game so uh, Air Force uh-huh. was able to prevail and clearly what was the most the most interesting and important game to be played in the DFw Metroplex uh, this season
1: no doubt uh, the serve Pro first responder was the one that you saw and then I think there should be a rule I know these a lot of these uh, academies military academies run the triple option run the ball primarily. If you're Air Force, doesn't it require you to throw the ball? I've never quite understood that. Like you should just do it through the yeah. air. I don't know.
2: You're, you're exactly right. Um, how do we get on this rabbit hole? Um, uh, my brother and I were talking during the game. Can you name an Air Force quarterback? Ever?
1: No, no. We can't. Should be able to. Can name a Can yeah. name a Navy one. Uh,
2: um, I, I can't too. Air air force's all time leading passer, according to a two second Google search, Sean Carney, Dave Zebart okay. was number two, Tim, Je- Tim Jefferson, number three, Rich Haney is number four. I've never heard of any
1: of those wow. people. Wow. Certainly none that I can recall going to the NFL. Um, that's for sure. Well, you, we got more important, uh, bowl games, yes, if that's imaginable, yes, and I'm glad you got <laughs> to enjoy that with your son and, and, uh, and, and his, uh, uh, his cousin there. Um, okay, so we'll get to uh, certainly, you know, this weekend. It's all about the uh, national semifinals and some matchups that, you know, I, I mean, in the past we've had lopsided games, but I think we talked about this earlier, Matt. Notre Dame has gotten blown out in these games. Um, you know, uh, some some big brand programs. And it's going to start with Cincinnati against Alabama. I was listening to an interview with Luke Fickle uh, who said that, you know he's trying to build what amounts to a top ten program, you know something that is consistently in the top ten um that that hopefully this won't be a one off but they've made it this far, they certainly deserve it, undefeated team I mean the thing he said is that he doesn't think his players will be in awe of Alabama, and I think that's a real thing I think that you know in on this stage. You could go out there, see the red helmets, and go, "Oh boy, you know we, we just don't have a chance against this program. I don't think Cincinnati's going to be like that
2: I don't think they are either, and I think in some ways, they might be relaxed here because mm-hmm. there's zero pressure on them, right like R- it, I don't think they're trying to carry the flag for the group of five or anything like that they and And when you think about how much pressure they felt. During the course of the season, and they've more or less said this uh, at times. Where not not only did they have to win, but they had to win convincingly, right? Where people like <clears throat> me were dinging them because they had had a close win over Tulsa, and, and dinging them because they didn't blow out USF and, and and things like that. So they not only had to win, they had to win convincingly, and if they didn't win by three scores or four scores. Well, this isn't very good. This team's not going to make the playoff. But at this point, all that stuff is gone. Um, Cincinnati is a very good team, at least a very good team. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with them, kind of in the long term. In Luke, what you said with Luke Fickle wanting to be a top ten program, uh, we'll see what happens when Desmond Ritter leaves because they've got a very, very, yeah. very accomplished college quarterback. I, I, as a general rule, I hate the whole using wins as a stat for for pitchers or quarterbacks. But dudes won like 44 games or something like that. And, wow. and, um, that, that counts for something that shows the experience that he has. So I, I definitely give them a puncher's chance. And I think some of it is because, you know, like you said, they're not going to be awed by Alabama. Um, I think they, they know that they belong. And then also that the pressure that they felt for really most of the season, that's gone. Anything beyond here is, is kind of, it's kind of gravy.
1: Yeah, indeed, they they do have sort of house money to play with. Uh, I guess you look at matchups, and when you think about Alabama, of course you think about their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, you think about their receivers, particularly a guy like Jameson Williams. Um, I was listening to Todd Blackledge, who thinks that he believes that Cincinnati has the ability to to try to play some press man coverage against those receivers and might have the secondary that can do it and, and, and force some... Some really tight throws.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, Sauce Gardner is as good a cornerback as there is in the country. Um, Kobe Bryant was just as, you know, arguably as good, if not better, this year. Um, so, mm-hmm. those, and, you know, you start with those two guys at quarter, and they're going to be able to give you an awful, awful lot. Now, Cincinnati had... Uh, Probably the best the best pass defense in the country this year. I'm just looking at some of the stats here. They had the highest or the lowest opposing uh, passing uh, rating. Um, it's, like, it's like we're number two in yards per game. So th- that defense is legit, and they've got some dudes who can get after the quarterback too. Uh, Twenty one Sanders is very very good. The thing is they just don't have the depth. But you take that top those top guys. A lot of them could play on Bama. Maybe maybe just to eh, start every starter could at least contribute at Alabama. So, and in particular with Bama's offense, passing offense against Al, um, Cincinnati's passing defense. Yeah. I think they stack up well um, and they're going to have to play very, very well. Uh, Alabama's run game is, wasn't as good as you'd expect this year, but they can still make some plays. In, but you know, with, with Bryce Young and the receivers, they have the talent there. That's how, how going to try and win the game. So if Cincinnati can maybe get a pick, because that's the other component to this, too, with the Bearcats. Alabama's going to have to screw up. Um, B- Bama is so tremendously talented. It's going to take a couple maybe fluky plays, um, interception, pick six, scoop and score, fumble kickoff or muff punt. It's going to take stuff like that, I think, for Cincinnati to be able to push ahead. And some of that, you know, there's a, a good chance something like that can happen on the pass defense with as good as the guys that, that Cincinnati has.
1: How good is Cincinnati's offense? In other words, can can they move the ball consistently? Can can they protect the quarterback? You think against this Alabama front?
2: I think they've got some very good weapons. Again, D- Desmond Ritter is a very accomplished quarterback. He, he's he might be a first round pick. If not, he's a day two guy. And when you when you can start with you got a first round quarterback or potential first round quarterback, that's a very good place to start with, with any team in the country. I don't care who you are. Drone Ford, the running back, I mean, he was an all America caliber guy. I, when, when I filled out my, my All America team, I had um eight guys that I was looking at for, for running back spot and he he was one of them. He he's a very, very good player. He's he runs hard, um and he can be explosive. Um you know, people this week were calling him a complete back, and I don't think I disagree with him. So you got two really good pieces right there. And, and you know, they've got some weapons at receiver and, and they can use the tight ends well. My question's the offensive line. Alabama's front, is, it's not like 2011 Alabama front or whatever, but it's still a very good front. Will Anderson is a game wrecker um, on the outside, and they've got some dudes on the inside as well. So that's really going to decide the game, I think. Because, again, I, I think Alabama's defense could or offense could have some trouble against Cincinnati's defense. But if Cincinnati's offensive line, which is big, but it's okay from what I've seen. it's It's okay they're going to have to play really, really well. And if they can play really well, give Rismond, uh, Desmond Ritter time, give Jerome Ford holes to run through, I think Cincinnati's got a real chance here. But it, you could see that matchup easily going the other way too, where Alabama's front just manhandles Cincinnati's line, and and that would be how the game gets out of hand.
1: I still think, you know, obviously uh, it's a big edge to Alabama just because they're Alabama and their experience at this level uh, in this in these games, in these situations. I want to say Cincinnati, and I'm not a better. I think they're about a two touchdown underdog. So, where would this rank in in terms of uh, college football upsets if if Cincinnati were able to do this?
2: Where would it rank it? It would be very, very high. Um, hmm. Just like bowl games, because I mean, like App State over Michigan, you know, that's going to be one of the highest ever. Yeah. Um,
1: Boise State term, beating Oklahoma yeah, type thing. Boise, you know, I mean, Oklahoma is
2: the other one that immediately came to mind um, because mm-hmm. that kind of helped – I don't want to say it ushered in a new era or anything like that, but that was one that really started to give more respect to the the, the group of five teams than the, the non-Oklahomas and, and Alabamas of the world. Right, right. If they were able to do this, though, this would be – this would be. I mean, let's face it, it would be massive um, yeah. it, just because of the discrepancy in terms of money. In terms of talent, in terms of uh, staff size, all that tradition, all that stuff. It, th- these David and Goliath isn't fair because Cincinnati is a, a, a. They're a very good program, but there are some David and Goliath tendencies here, just because of of the way Alabama has ruled the sport for the last decade, whatever, and. and again those built in advantages where they make so much more money from the SEC than Cincinnati makes from the AAC now let's you have i mean Alabama's got two former NFL head coaches on their offensive staff right like it, it's absurd the way that they are, are able to build things and if Cincinnati is able to go in and knock them off with the way the group of 5 has been treated by the playoff committee you know since the dawn of the, the playoff it would be it would be massive and honestly i think it would be really really good for the sport um College basketball is at its best in the tournament when you've got you know, Gonzaga making a run years ago and, and the Butlers and, and uh, Valparaiso beating Ole Miss with, with Bryce Drew's miracle shot. That's what makes it cool when you have some of those Cinderella stories. And this is as close as college football can get to a Cinderella right now. And that's why, yeah, it would be absolutely massive if they were able to pull this off.
1: Well, look forward to this game for sure. The one that I'm even more excited about in some ways, and of course and you'll be at the Cotton Bowl uh, for this first game, but the, the second one, uh, Michigan and Georgia. I have my doubts, and I, I don't know why this is sort of – look, I, I'm a big Todd Munkin fan. I you know was around him for several years here in Tampa Bay, uh, tried to make something out of Jameis Winston, um, has done a good job at Georgia – there's something that look Stetson Bennett is one of the better stories in college football, right? Um, mm-hmm. What he has done, uh, you know, for that Georgia team, stepping in, he's he's earned what he's got, and that is a, a start in this national semifinal. But he can struggle at times, and against uh, against a, a a good to sometimes really good Michigan defense is this arena is any of this going to be too big for him um you know we saw him against alabama maybe not play his best how much of that will be a carryover what do you think about stetson bennett in a game of this magnitude
2: i don't feel great about it <laughs> i don't feel great about it <laughs> okay. I give him credit for the way he improved from last year to this year because he improved a lot um the the, the Stetson Bennett that struggled against Florida was not the same one that came out and and blew out Florida. It, it, there was a lot of of progress there, um, but he's he's limited. There, there's a reason he was a walk on, and, and again, he's he's a good player. But to win a national championship in this era, you pretty much you have to either have a very good to great quarterback, or you have to be loaded everywhere else. The last. Mediocre, only good quarterback to win a title was Jake Coker for Alabama, the, the Florida State transfer in 2015 when they beat Clemson. Everybody else has had at least one, sometimes two, really good quarterbacks that they played. You know, think think about um, Alabama against Atlanta or and uh, against Georgia in Atlanta in the 2017 title game. Um, they went from you know Jalen Hurts wasn't cutting it; they bench him, they put in some Tua guy, and the rest is history. So they go from one quarterback who's starting in the league to another quarterback who's starting in the league.
1: Yeah, and
2: right. that's you know that's Alabama, and that's why they're they're Alabama. But I think this this general thought holds, where Jalen Hurts was more limited, and they brought in somebody who could you know take the top off, and and we saw that on the final throw to Devante uh, to Devontae Smith for the touchdown that won it. So I don't know that Stetson's good enough to win a title or that Georgia is good enough around him to win a title. Georgia's receivers are, are not great. They, they, they're not, um, there's some talent there, but over the course of the year and really the last couple of years, they haven't gotten it done at a high enough level. So where you can have it just an okay quarterback because the receivers are going to ball out and make all sorts of, plays. that's, that's not Georgia. Um, I, I go back to, I, I pulled up the transcript, um, something that Kirby smart was asked about in July at sec media days. Um, you look at the the guy, You look at the teams that have won the national championship recently. They're most dynamic on offense and at the skill positions. And he was asked specifically yep. about some of the guys that they brought in who have not been able to contribute this year. I, and I, you look at Stetson Bennett. Is he a dynamic quarterback? No. And, and that's going to be Georgia's limiting factor here because their defense is going to be really, really good. That, what What happened against Alabama was an anomaly. That's not the Georgia defense. They, they had a bad game. Against Alabama. <laughs> that happens. Um, but So I think Georgia's defense is going to play really well. And then it's going to be up to the offense, and particularly Stetson Bennett, to see whether he can push them over the top. M- maybe they can get by with him against Michigan. And if they're going to have a chance of beating, most likely Alabama, but potentially Cincinnati, they're going to have to be able to to make some big throws. And I, I don't know that Stetson can do it. Um, I, I'm not saying they need to, to bench him and bring in JT uh, Daniels if he's healthy. But that's the move that Saban used to beat him in the national championship game a, a couple of years ago. And that's something that's still in the back of my mind.
1: That would be, a, that would be interesting. And I don't think it's that far fetched that if he struggles that you see JT Daniels, I think Munkin would be willing to do that. And uh, especially if it goes bad early and they start to fall behind, we know what Michigan wants to do. They want to run the football with, uh, well, with hold, hold on a second, Rick. let's, let's
2: let's, 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 let's roll that back. Just one second. You're right. right. Todd Munkin might be, be willing to do that. My question is whether Kirby Smart would be willing. Nah, to that's a good
1: that. point. Yeah, and he's that coach, you're right?
2: He, I mean, Justin Fields was a was an accomplished ended up being an accomplished college quarterback. Yes, and, and is uh, doing We're something good. in the NFL. Like he he had yeah. he had some talent, and Kirby did not use him. They, they used him sparingly in the one season, um, and he stuck with Jake Fromm. And I, I get it. You 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 stick with your guy From It's not like Fromm was a bum. Right, I mean, right. He, he took him to the national championship game, and if, if uh, Georgia defends on second and twenty-six, Kirby Smart has a national title because, in part, because of Jake Fromm. So it's not like Fromm was a bum, but Justin Fields was so talented, and we saw what he yeah. did at Ohio State. And you know, yeah. you don't be a top twenty draft pick. You don't that doesn't happen if you're a bum. So he he hasn't been willing to make that switch in the past, and mm-hmm. I wonder if he thinks any differently now that's the question that I have I'm sorry yeah you were talking about Michigan. No,
1: it's, a, it's a good point because uh listen you got one bite of the apple here you know and, and if yep. he's loyal to Stetson Bennett if he's getting the reps if he's you know that that's how they've gotten to this point this far he may stick with them um and at the end of the day it's a head coach's call we know that Michigan uh wants to run the football uh with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum these are two guys that Haskins went over twelve hundred yards. Quorum's close to a thousand, I think. Um, and yet, the the you know Georgia's defense is stout, as you mentioned. It will be to try to force Cade McNamara into beating them with his arm. Do you think they can stop the Michigan running game? And do you think McNamara can actually make plays with his arm? If that's the case,
2: yes, I think they can. I think they can stop the the run game. I, I feel fairly good about Georgia's defense there. They've given up mm-hmm. more than 130 yards on the ground precisely once this year, and that was to wow. Florida in a game that was not close. Um, mm. They've given up three rushing touchdowns all season, Georgia's defense has. I, I feel very good about them. That that front is nasty. And again, we all have in the back of our mind the last time we saw them against Alabama when they were not, you know, they, they didn't play well. I think that was more about the matchup. That was more about this, the... Um, the game plan that they did not execute in Alabama did more than an indictment of, oh my God, this Georgia defense was a complete fraud. I-, I think that was a one game thing. So yeah, I think Georgia is going to be able to stop the run. Then like you said, the question is, can Cade K- McNamara and the Michigan offense do enough against it? And I'm not sure that they can. I don't have a great you know X's and O's reason why. Um, I'm just not 100% sold on on the Michigan passing attack yet and you know we'll, we'll we'll see what they're able to do but my gut tells me I, I think Georgia's defense is going to be able to um contain Michigan's offense as a whole well enough
1: well so, i'm i'm trying to read the tea leaves here and i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think that you're leaning towards a rematch of the SEC championship game between Alabama and Georgia this time for the national championship
2: correct that's that's what my gut tells me um it, it, it's usually the teams with the most talent that went. I've said that once or a thousand times on the guy with the, <laughs> yeah. it's the team with the dudes and, and Georgia has a ton of dudes and Alabama has a ton of dudes and, you know, Nick Saban, obviously we know what he's done over the, the years that that's, that speaks for itself. Um, but, I, and Kirby has not gotten over the hump, but he is still a good coach with good coaches on that staff. There are reasons to be hesitant, particularly about Georgia um, you know the fact that uh, Dan Lanning's the the new um, the new head coach, excuse me, at Oregon and the DC at Georgia. That's always a weird transition. Um, that kind of can can mess with things. But when I look at it, I think Georgia is a better version of Michigan, and I don't think that's a good matchup for the Wolverines. And then Cincinnati's been a great story. They're a very good team, as you talked about, and as I think I talked about last week don't use this as a referendum for a group of five. Do not do that. Washington got blown out by, by Alabama in a semifinal in Atlanta. I I was there. Um, Notre Dame has struggled in playoff games. Uh, I think Clemson blew out Ohio state in a playoff game. Florida Mm -hmm. state got trucked by uh, 39 points against Oregon in a playoff game. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Alabama blew the crap out of Michigan state in a playoff game in this very stadium. So, Don't view that as a referendum because blowouts happen in the semifinals. That's one of the issues with the playoff, and I have guesses why, but it's neither here nor there. So do not view this as a referendum on Cincinnati and the group of five. View this as a one-game, this Cincinnati team against this Alabama team because I would hate for the playoff power brokers to try to make something out of this when they're figuring out how to expand the playoff to twelve. Well, see, Cincinnati couldn't handle it. Therefore every group of five teams sucks and we need to make sure that a mediocre Pac twelve team gets in. No, don't don't do that. This is one game and view it as one game and and hopefully it's gonna be an entertaining one.
1: I hope so. And and regardless, I think uh whether they lose by by, by two or by twenty um or more. Cincinnati earned their way here, you know no question they, they they did what they needed to do, and had other teams taken care of their business, they probably wouldn't be in this game um but they won every game on their schedule. they had some better wins than than other teams, and the fact is they went undefeated so uh, whether they prevail or or get blown out, I think you're right, it doesn't matter. big brand teams, big brand programs have lost and lost by a large margin, as you just mentioned in these games, and so Hopefully, uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of squawking about it, and, and those that don't want to see anything but the blue bloods in there will will say some stuff. But uh, but they certainly earned their way here, and, and uh, hopefully it'll be entertaining. Both those games we've got games. Uh, well, first of all, let's address this. Uh, I, I got up this morning as we do this uh, tape this podcast on a, on a Wednesday for Thursday morning. Um, another bowl game had been canceled. The holiday bowl, I guess at a very late hour, UCLA, uh, without much warning said that they can't make it because of the COVID, uh, outbreak on their, in their program. Um, we're seeing this throughout all of college football, all of society. Certainly in the NFL is dealing with that locally here, Bruce Arians, uh, a bunch of players with the bucks now. So it, it is a, it is a big story in, uh, in all of sports and in the world. But, um, what how how messy could this get here in the next couple of days
2: very messy um i have it's it's so weird um like between opt outs and 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 covid stuff I, I don't know who's playing in the games anymore <laughs> to mm-hmm. be honest with mm-hmm. you it's all very yeah. very confusing um you know you, you look at a team like ohio state that's had a bunch of opt outs if if they've got some and i'm just guessing here but every play every team in the country probably has some covet issues so you you add in the opt-outs at ohio state and like they could lose handily to utah and i would not be surprised in in the rose bowl Mm -hmm. um so this is just something that everybody is dealing with um college football has been scrambling i think it's five games that have been canceled um the, the favorite example is is the sun bowl um you know, Miami ended up having to, to bail on the Sun Bowl because they, they didn't think they could play. And I'm not begrudging anybody for any of that, just just to be clear.
1: Right, right. And
2: then Boise State had to bail on the Arizona Bowl. So Central Michigan was in Tucson, I think it was, three, four-hour drive from El Paso. Uh, so, you know, them in Washington State said, you know what, Why don't why don't you come over here and play a game? So now Central Michigan on like three or four days prep is going to end up playing Washington state three or four game day, um, preparation. Cause obviously they had been practicing, but that's just one of the random things. So now Jim McElwain's, uh, playing coaching against Washington state in the sun bowl. It's actually a very nice bowl. Th- that's just the, the 2020 weirdness that has unfortunately carried over to the end of 2021. And I'm hoping 2022, we don't have to deal with any of that. Um, and then, then the other wild card here is what about the playoff? Um, I yeah. have not heard of any sort of outbreaks or issues that would affect, you know, any of the four teams um substantially, but the way it's sweeping through the country, would anybody be surprised? No. No. Um and then what about if something happens, at, you know, between the in the in the layoff between the one of the semifinals and the national championship game? That's one of the kind of drawbacks of having that extra time. So, yeah. It's I I really hope not, nothing like that happens but I I certainly wouldn't rule it out either unfortunately.
1: Of the uh, no I agree. Of the New Year's Six bowls uh and there are some some interesting matchups I think. Um which one of these you mentioned Ohio State with the opt-outs they play in the Rose Bowl game against Utah who's been very very good particularly down the stretch. I think the Sugar Bowl will be very interesting Baylor against Ole Miss. Break some of those down for me, and, and tell me which ones that uh, you you would you would be worth watching if you were uh, at home on New Year's Day.
2: Yeah, um, the, the the Rose Bowl's always interesting. I mean, it's the Rose Bowl, um, the, the beautiful scene sure. and all that. Um, the, as far as the matchups, I mean, Ohio State's still going to have a lot of talent. They they mm-hmm. they're one of the handful of programs that recruits at a high level. Again, I'm not viewing this as a referendum on Ohio State and how good they were. No, they had a bunch right. of dudes leave. Um, so right, I'm not right. looking into anything in uh, that game, other than the future for Ohio State, mm-hmm. what some of their young guys look like, and then from the Utah perspective, ha- them having a the chance to end the season well. They, they they started really poorly, and then they figured out their their quarterback situation. Um, let's w- w- with with Cam Rising. And let's not forget too. Utah opens against Florida in the Swamp next year. So if you want to get an early scouting report on on what the Gators are going to face, they're going to face this uh, Utah team that's very physical that that's you know got got some some talent and, and that played really well at the end of the year. Um Notre Dame, Oklahoma State in, in the festival is a good one.
1: I like it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, just because they haven't been as hit by as the opt-outs and everything by some of the, as compared to some of the other teams. And those are two fairly good names. If Oklahoma State Gets you know an extra foot on the last play against Baylor. Cincinnati's not in the playoff. Um, but right instead, this is a very nice consolation game. Styles, you know what is it? Styles make uh, or Styles make fights something like that. Sorry, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Um, so that's the matchup with, with Baylor and Ole Miss um, in the Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss Lane Kiffin's going to you know try to score a thousand points and take a bunch of chances, and, and Baylor's a lot more. Defensive minded um, under Dave Aranda, and, and that's how they were able to win the Big Twelve. So that's, I think, a very interesting matchup as well, where, with Baylor's very good defense against Ole Miss's very good offense. How that kind of shakes out against two teams that are uh, and two programs that are headed under the right direction under their coaches.
1: Yeah, it should be should be good uh, weekend, uh, obviously, of college football, and then the national championship playoff semifinals, of course, on uh, New Year's Eve, the Orange Bowl. You'll be there. Uh, I'm sorry. You'll be at the Cotton Bowl. My bad. You'll be at the Cotton uh. Bowl, Alabama, Cincinnati, and then that will, will be followed at 7:30, Orange Bowl, Michigan, and number three Georgia, and then we will have our national championship matchup. So we're almost to the end of college football, but uh, this weekend is a is a great one for uh, for sitting around, welcoming in the new year, and hopefully, uh, Matt, Happy New Year to you. Hopefully, 2022 will be even better. We'll get past the craziness, but it has been a a, a very lively and fun college football season and it's all wrapping up uh here in the next couple weekends so thanks matt have a, a safe trip enjoy your uh, little bit of free time down there and we'll talk to you later you no
2: know, i don't know what it says about me rick that i take a family trip to visit you know visit family for the holidays <laughs> then i take my kid to a game on one day off and then also i'm well. like hey while i'm here can i cover the cotton bowl <laughs> I, I, I mean, I either love my job or I'm crazy or both, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> uh, it's de- definitely you love your job uh, a little bit crazy. And, you know, the good thing is you're you're making a solid college football fan out of your son, which is awesome.
2: He he is. He is more than a solid fan. Just one quick story. We, we were at Dick's the other day um, and we're looking at the hats and we're looking through, you know, I'm, I'm just OK. What what hat, what logo is that? Again, he's four. Uh, that's that's Texas Longhorns it's Texas A&M Texas Tech what about this one North Texas what about this one Texas State I don't I think he and I were about the only adults in the or the only people in the place who knew what a Texas State logo was and <laughs> we asked my wife and I asked him later how did you know that was Texas State well I watched him play who, who did you watch them play against I watched them play against Louisiana they lost 45-0 oh of course <laughs> oh my
1: yeah that is score they, included I, I,
2: yeah, I, of course. Who who could forget the forty five to zero game on Halloween weekend between Louisiana and Texas State? But oh my! That's that's my that's that's my son, and uh, I I have done this to him, so I'm sorry, world.
1: <laughs> the the future college football uh, writer and star of this podcast will be uh, will, is being groomed right now as we speak. So. That's uh that's fantastic. It's a great story and great great time to spend uh with the kids over the holidays and uh no you're not crazy. You you love college football and and you love your job. So um we're happy you you do both. But thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. We'll talk to you uh after the semifinals. Sure. Thanks, guys. All right, on tomorrow's podcast of course we'll preview the Bucs at the New York Jets. We'll see who might be available to play. Uh, who may be coming back from COVID, um, certainly to s- update the situation with Bruce Arians. So we'll do that. The Lightning are in Sunrise to play Florida. That's always a great rivalry. Um, so we'll uh, look forward to that matchup as well. My thanks again to Matt Baker. For Steve Burstick, i Stroud of the 10 Big Times. Have a great day, everybody.